Well, Greg, it looks like Mayor Eric Adams, he's stepped in it again. Uh, The ring encircling him is getting tighter. His days are numbered. He's finally made a faux pas that is unrecoverable. He has insulted the honor of Topeka, Kansas, telling the press the other day, quote, God said, I'm going to take the most broken person and I'm going to elevate him to the place of being the mayor of the most powerful city on the globe. He could have made me the mayor of Topeka, Kansas. He could have made me the mayor of some small town or village somewhere, but he did not. Uh, Messianic as ever. I got to love the guy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, at least you can say he doesn't have a high uh, opinion of himself. Right. Um, But. Like the true. Oh, did sad you not hear the humility in there? You know the <laughs> contrition before absolution. He's like he's the apostle Paul. Like yeah. he, his eyes were blinded on the way to the greatest city on earth, a number one. You know, <laughs> I did say I was a broken person before I went on to say I was literally chosen by God <laughs> to save the largest city in the imperial core. Um, well, the funnier or the funniest part I thought was the mayor of Topeka, who apparently is a man named Michael Padilla, responding about how concerning and unprofessional it was and saying, quote, he could make his points without trying to diminish our great city. And I wish he would. And the funny thing about that is mayor of Topeka. Uh, Eric Adams is never going to hear what you have to say about that. He's never going <laughs> to read that quote. Doesn't give a shit. Just like nobody else in America gives a shit about uh, what happens in Topeka. It's a small town. I'm sorry. Nobody cares. <laughs> Topeka, Kansas is a punchline. It sounds funny. It's like that joke on yeah. The Simpsons about Seattle, you know? <laughs> well, uh, uh, your kids moved off to places with ridiculous names like uh, Timbuktu, Cucamonga, Seattle. You could throw Topeka <laughs> in there, too. Uh, mm. I got news for... You know, look, I hate to break it to you, Mayor Padilla. Um, Munya didn't move to Topeka, Kansas, okay? <laughs> I don't that's know what I know. It's not like, him. That's yeah. why we know it's not the hip place to be. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you need to know. Welcome back to Mechanical Freak, broadcasting live from the top of the Space Needle in a city that is larger than Topeka and with an even bigger and more outsized opinion of itself, the heart of neoliberalism today, Seattle, Washington. (laughs) And it is a funny city name to say, I gotta say. (laughs) A lot lot of good ones in this state and uh, Seattle right up there. Uh, Greg, how you doing today? Brian, what to you is a shit post <laughs> well to me a shit post has to be both uh offensive and funny that's that, that's key it has to actually be funny and it should uh one of those things that actually shouldn't bother people and really just sort of uh exposes them for how much it bothers them okay that see yeah all right see i was i was hoping for at least a like well you know what when you see it but like that is even more vindicating because the the cretins on the a Song of Ice and Fire forums are calling, are saying all my <laughs> theories and our shit posts. Oh, Greg, first off, like you are sticking the mods on me. What? <laughs> your 50,000 word comments <laughs> on that fucking message board can hardly be called posts, you know? Like, <laughs> I posted I I posted that uh, meme I showed you. 
and mm-hmm. and like someone literally like the only response was are you trying to shit post on the forum and like that i mean all, my other posts have been called shit posts too but like you know <laughs> Well, listeners, if you're not aware, Greg is. I was like, do I not understand what a shit post is? Is there some kind of (laughs) like forum etiquette that I've never been a part of until now that I just don't understand? That I thought a shit post was just like a deliberately bad, like uh, like post in a thread to be fucking annoying. That's what I thought it was. Was it? Is it something else that I'm not like some concept that I like was was never let in on? No, these people are just fucking stupid, man. Hey, look, uh, the nerds at Tower of the Hand don't get it. Uh, what else is new? Cool. They're fucking Philistines. Um, anyway. Well, for listeners trying to catch up, Greg is currently fighting the good fight, which is trying to convince all the nerds at the Song of Ice and Fire forums that uh, that whole story actually takes place in the future, involves uh, future races who somehow wound up it, on that West Coast after a moon exploded. And uh, hey man, that the, was just the start. That was just the, all the magic I got more theories. Attack. It goes from there. Trust me. I'm working I, on a much bigger theory. <laughs> much, much bigger. A prediction. Uh, an, an analysis of the themes and prediction of where it's going that uh, I, th- I think you'll like when it's ready. Mm-hmm. But it has to do well, with that meme I showed you. Well, listeners who want to go back and listen to my interview about the Giza Death Star and the uh, most extreme ancient astronaut theories, uh, I think you're going to find there's some interesting parallels and similarities between (laughs) some of the greatest cranks of the ancient alien. My my man writes about interesting subjects. (laughs) He's inspired by interesting parts of history. Well... You know, uh, speaking of interesting subjects and interesting parts of history, uh, Munya apparently has died of an egg allergy. This is this is is why he's not on today. Uh, He went. He ordered an enormous souffle, uh, unaware that it's full of (laughs) eggs, and now he's dead. (laughs) R.I.P. to Munya. (laughs) Killed by a souffle. That just sounds like a a Mr. Bean ass way to die. Yep. Hey, you know, uh, it happens. It happens. It's uh, better than being killed for your gambling debts. Uh, JK, I paid off just enough that I can come back on the show. So, well, other things also happened this week beyond Mayor Eric Adams, you know, finally going too far. Uh, We also had I just want to give you the highlights because the article's way too long. Uh, But there was an article in Bloomberg about how Apparently, this war in Ukraine and, uh, you know, China's uh, <laughs> advanced balloon technology have kind of started to expose the U.S. military a little bit. And I just, what, just wanted to get what, that it was actually difficult for America to shoot down <laughs> those fucking children's balloons, <laughs> expose, expose some weaknesses. They just send multiple uh, weapons platforms into the sky and shoot multiple missiles at each balloon to bring it you down. Know, yeah. I mean, a lot of people have been clowning on it, but I'm actually legitimately impressed they were able to hit that children's party balloon. <laughs> I, I would have said in a million years, they would have had to they fire the whole arsenal at it and they still would have missed. They didn't hit any of those things. They <laughs> shot, the, those are air-to-air <laughs> missiles. They explode yeah, yeah. near things and shoot shrapnel at them, okay? And just like a, uh, a jet fighter, a balloon is very vulnerable, is very fragile and vulnerable to shrapnel. You don't have to hit anything with these Greg, missiles. They're too stupid. They just blow up my, within 50 feet. 
my point stands. They got it within <laughs> yeah. 50 feet. And honestly, yeah. that's pretty fucking impressive to me. So, uh, you know, my dad used to tell me stories about when he worked at the White Sands Missile Range in the 70s. And they would hoist missiles up on cranes and then just drop them on things so they could get a positive test result. <laughs> Be like, see, it hit it. You know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... From the efficiencies of the early 70s to today, uh, our military just keeps getting it right. And the first little tidbit in here that's particularly funny. So they mentioned that it appears the U.S. is falling behind on a lot of military tech, uh, particularly when it comes to things that work when you put them in the field and don't just break instantly. Uh, They point to the first interesting tidbit in here, which was in 1991 that there was some 70 providers, major providers to the Defense Department as far as manufacturers, right? And after 91, the Defense Department was like, hey, we got to consolidate all this stuff. So just like every other industry in America, there's been rapid consolidation over the last 30 years. And uh, now there's just five. (laughs) So five companies provide the vast bulk of all the Defense Department's, you know, weaponry, supplies, etc., And apparently, this rapid uh, consolidation has not led to more efficient production of uh, weapons and things like that. Who could believe? But has actually just led to giant boondoggles like the F-35. But uh, did you see Liz Warren's response to this, which was bring back uh, more uh, small business uh, mom and pop military <laughs> contractors. <laughs> we got to bring it back. Dude, I mean, what was that movie? Is it uh, War Dogs or whatever? That's about how George Bush did this during the Gulf War. And so all these like creepy fucking gun runners all of a sudden like got into the weapons and like the official side of the weapons industry and mm-hmm. es- essentially were taking their gun running operations legit by overselling like Glocks to the Pentagon. Um, yeah, a brilliant fucking idea, uh, Liz, you know, keep, keep hammering away over there. It was kind of interesting. At one point they were, uh, they were interviewing her for a potential confirmation in the Senate. I felt like during the Obama administration or something like that, where they asked her about defense spending and she basically was like, well, there's a lot of defense industry in my state, so I'm for it, <laughs> but, but this gets to sort of. <laughs> <laughs> this gets to sort of the problem of uh, the Defense Department as is, is a lot of people under the mistaken impression that the Defense Department exists to make uh, weapons and fight wars, uh, when in reality, its main purpose is to distribute money <laughs> to uh, some of the largest corporations in America. And you argued that's better than the alternative. The p- disconnect, though, is that, you know... A lot of the uh, there's a lot of forces who really don't understand that, I guess, and like want to <laughs> have a, a Cold War with both Russia and China anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, you know, even though you're making the weapons purely for the purpose of essentially just burning cash. They still want to use the weapons in the end, <laughs> you know, like. They, it, yeah. And the problem is, is that it's not like when Boeing sells them like, hey, here's some more junk for you. Uh, instead, like, oh, no, this totally works. And the morons at the Defense Department believe it. Right. And, uh, you know, here we get to the believing, you know, your own hype thing. The guy at the Pentagon in procurement who knows that the 
weapon will never work like has retired like 20 years before it see it makes mm-hmm. it to the field you know <laughs> or there's one enthusiastic guy there who's the only guy in the room who isn't actively taking kickbacks he just genuinely believes in the mission and he's very excited about all this stuff and everybody else in the room who knows it doesn't work but are receiving kickbacks are like uh yeah totally <laughs> yeah let's do it for sure uh f-35 can intercept a balloon at any speed i promise you um so a couple of other things happened that were interesting in the article which was when covid happened and there were supply chain disruptions uh the defense Department found itself running short on various munitions because it turns out that just like every other corporation in america all the defense industries have moved to just-in-time production based off of large, complicated international supply chains. And the second there was even the most minor disruption to said supply chain, they could no longer produce all their fancy Defense Department widgets that uh, they wanted to sell so badly. Uh, Whoopsie-daisy. <laughs> what a mistake. And then finally, the war in Ukraine, as we started shipping weapons to Ukraine, it turns out, again, they don't really keep a backlog of any of this stuff, and they can't really produce it on a crash basis, even if they needed to. And the sort of kicker of this whole thing is, if we were going to go to war with, say, China, we would probably run out of literal munitions <laughs> within a week or two, and uh, would be in a pretty tough spot after that if, uh, you know, the one and a half billion people of China weren't fully vanquished in that time period. Now, some people might say, well, great, that's the argument for the U.S. not to fight a world war. I say, Sounding like good news. <laughs> that's an argument for the U.S. to use nuclear weapons in any war. <laughs> yeah, and trust yeah. me, that's how they viewed that report, not, how, not in any sort of dovish way. They were like, oh, we should probably go nuclear earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I think how everybody interpreted that, but just an awesome look into, uh, you know, look, like even the parts that capital wants to work don't work very well because of capitalism. It's, it's genuinely impressive and nothing uh, else works because we're spending it all on that shit. Yeah, it's, it's truly amazing. This is a cool country. What is it? The, like the Reagan fuckers have, have like said for our entire lifetimes about what brought down the Soviet Union. Remind me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just foolish, uh, obscene bureaucracy, corruption and uh, overspending on defense. But luckily, we don't have to <laughs> suffer from any of that here. <laughs> <laughs> well, from, uh, you know, Ukraine and the Defense Department and our war on the rest of the world back to Seattle, Greg. I heard that you got together, you sort of ghost co-wrote this uh, editorial in The Stranger (laughs) that you were excited about and wanted to tell me about. Uh, Can can you give me some more on this? That's right, Brian. Finally, I used my degree. (laughs) That's that's why Moody is really not here. It's not his uh, newly found debilitating allergy. It is uh, that we had to bring the poli-sci minds together. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this is this is we don't want to like we don't want to get him on a list, you know, <laughs> by, by association when we reveal <laughs> our poli sci credentials, which, you know, when the revolution comes will mean our death. And, you know, I'll be saluting as I stand <laughs> at, on the wall, you know, um, now. OK, this Brian, this is a special treat that I just I wanted to share with you. Um 
because again, because of our background, I know uh, you're going to appreciate it. Uh, this is a guest rant in the paper that I read, The Stranger. Goes a little something like this. <laughs> this is by Ansel Hers, uh, formerly uh, of The Stranger, now the communications director of something called Democracy Next. Ooh, I'm already <laughs> intrigued and excited. All right. Headline. A random group of people could solve Seattle's problems better than its politicians. It's sub <laughs> subtitled here. Actually, a citizen's assembly isn't a bad idea. All right. I'm intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another way of saying the idea in my article is good. Yeah, <laughs> what a, what a, what a what a strong way though. If you started your editorial with "Look, guys, this is a stupid idea," <laughs> let's read on. <laughs> uh, please think yeah. my idea is good. So I, I, you know, Greg, if I could give my suspicions here. Okay, all right. I I feel that we're about to engage in a classic poli sci uh, thought experiment here. Oh. Based off of, you know, and this is where I, I'm going to get all the ancient historians mad at me. I, I think it's the ancient. Oh, man, I knew. I knew you would know. Ancient Romans, ancient Greeks. But yeah, yeah. I knew you would know. I knew you would know. So the whole, whole idea of like you would uh, have these random assemblies of or randomly chosen citizens right now. Again, you'd have to understand what that means in the ancient context to get to that. Uh, particularly random. But anyways, yeah. You but, think you would have to understand that to use that in your article <laughs> but, but uh you know this thought experiment about like you know would that be a better and more representative way to run a society versus the current voting system particularly the one we have in america with all of its flaws and uh problems uh we could get into why that's just a silly thought experiment and not a way you should live your life uh a little bit later but i, I i'm guessing this is where we're going oh, right brian brian that's 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 why i wanted to do this man this is right on our <laughs> level man this is this was written for you and me okay this is All amazing right. i'm so excited let's do it i'm gonna i'm gonna skip five paragraphs in where uh ansel actually tells us what the fuck he's talking about mm. so that we can kick this off then we'll yeah, go we're back past we're gonna, the foreplay we don't need we're that. gonna we're gonna want to go back to the foreplay in the making fun of the article segment of the episode but i want to <laughs> Just like I want to make sure like everybody understands like what we're talking about right from the get go and why we're picking this fight. So, again, uh, we're like five paragraphs deep here. The idea is called a citizens assembly, also known in political theory as sortition, democracy by lottery or deliberative democracy. Citizens are chosen by stratified random selection, creating a miniature representative sample of our society without bias or favor to rotate in to rotate into lawmaking bodies in much the same way as they are selected for juries in our court system. <laughs> now. <laughs> there's a well, lot. We all know. First off, we all know uh, that our court uh, system yeah. is extremely fair. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. Let's get back to that. Okay. Yeah, let's, we got to come back to that because that's the perfect look, example of why this is stupid. But this let's, is stu let's, yes. let's save that. Let's save that. I want to save <laughs> the picking apart 
this <laughs> argument and just first like talk about why to pick this fight because like brian it sounds great more director democracy uh yeah. everyone gets a voice maybe randomly stratified by by what now uh, <laughs> yeah yeah there was some interesting uh, qualifiers in there that i'd like to hear more <laughs> surely sure i mean surely this like overhaul of the demo of democratic procedure is what we're missing right brian this this mm -hmm. is the key right this is what we've been missing all this time and you know because i feel like people are reading this i mean i'm not talking about our listeners but some people are reading a stranger like and thinking exactly that and and i feel like the asshole you know mm -hmm. brian I'm willing to be that asshole. Okay. <laughs> when you, when you come, you know, when your think tank comes to town with, you know, has your little town hall and, you know, uh, you come to the paper you used to work at my, the paper I read to pitch another harebrained fucking scheme to rewrite the stage direction of local politics. I'm, I'm going to be a hater. Like, so, I mean, if the denunciation that follows like sounds like, mean-spirited pessimistic cranky uh black-pilled even it's only because i i refuse to get like carried away into some college dorm ass poli side debate about like what democratic manners have more theoretical legitimacy right like <laughs> we can well imagine i i can imagine like this sort you know we can have that yes yeah, sortition could be a perfectly like reasonable way to legislate in some nice society but if I was having that, if I was imagining that, I might ask things like, how did it get that way? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what are the forces of power at work in that society? And I do want to just point out these sort of sillier elements of this, too, which uh, should also be ridiculed, which is the stratified, randomized election. Or assume, yeah, I, I think we probably could safely assume he means stratified, like demographically yeah. or whatever, right? I, I, I mean, I'm sure that's what he means. Yes, that is what he means, yeah. yeah. Which means to see like Seattle, right? But say like see like Seattle, where the like the black population sales like six percent of the city, right? Say we had an assembly that's twenty people, which is by the way significantly larger than the current one we have now. It means every what two years we point at one black person in the city and go, "You, you're the one. You're the you're the black one." <laughs> You talk, right? I like I said, just the the concept of this, which like again in a broad strokes dorm room way maybe sounds like it makes some sense until you realize the actual nuts and bolts of what you would be doing. <laughs> right. You know, like the general embarrassment of this really yeah. can come through of how ludicrous this would be to actually execute. Well, like forget, <laughs> forget that for a moment. Let's say, let's say there's some, Oh, let's say it's a, it's a fuck. It's a hundred person assembly and there's all and there's, and, there, mm. and it's good. Let's just say it's good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Who, who is ask yourself I, if I was imagining this, I might ask myself like in this this good society, who is standing in the way of good legislation now that's say going to house people or maybe rein in the cops that is going to a get out of the way to let you uh, rewrite, you know, the political norms or whatever to do this sortition thing, install install this assembly with real power and two, solve those problems. <laughs> and uh, or or is it that you don't think anyone is standing in the way? Is that what it is? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Well, Greg, you're getting to the actual problem with why this is goofy, which is it fundamentally yeah. misunderstands power and how it operates in the real it world. Disregards uh, power. Yeah. Does not acknowledge power. 
Yeah. Uh, one might point to the fact that the, uh, again, ancient societies that we like to point to, you know, ancient Athens and stuff like that, were, uh, despite their, you know, citizens' assemblies, deeply unequal and awful, violent, you know, misogynistic societies, right? Um, oh, oh I mean, and these worse. assemblies did not uh, make these people kinder, gentler people, uh, despite our weird desire to remember uh athenians as some sort of like uh er liberals uh they were yeah the learned pretty, greeks yeah they're pretty violent and savage people and and that should not be forgotten but yeah uh, i can he- i just like i can hear in my head like people whining that like i'm just we're just skeptical that anything good could happen without our precious uh communist overthrow of capitalism coming first you know um and to to the guy i just made up in my head no this is just a dumb idea just like rank choice voting it's (laughs) dumb and pointless and just as likely to lead to bad outcomes as as good ones um i'm not someone i'm not even against like getting into electoral politics i want to Shama to handpicked a successor and like I was modestly begging her to run for Congress like <laughs> but like yeah it comes down to what you said like power is a factor you can organize and take power where power is available to be taken or you can work within the established like democratic institutions to elect like cool based shamas or you could even do both but yeah the, this constant fucking liberal like bird-brained obsession with reworking the procedural rules to arrive at some fucking magical uh like new system is nerd shit it will get you nowhere (laughs) like all the same conditions and forces are still going to be there and you might even be worse like on this on your new turf you know Mm -hmm. um organize sufficient power fight and win or don't but like what what do you do what is this bullshit yeah. Well, you know, let, let's come back to this this power, you know, part of the equation a little bit yeah. later. Let's let's see what Ansel has to say. Okay. Let's we're going to get into this now. Okay. We're now starting back at the beginning. Okay. Uh Seattle voters are staring down the barrel of a big shakeup on the city council. But does anyone believe that a group of inevitably self-promoting individuals each scheming against the others to try to win the empty seats? can deliver the solutions the city needs? I mean, again, obviously, no, no but uh, for reasons <laughs> that have nothing to do with what, you know, Ansel's going to... Mm-hmm. I do like calling them self-promoting, which is like, I mean, yeah. they're politicians. They're running for election. They're, by definition, self-promoting. Right. But well, I, I guess but that's the critique. That's, guess that's, the that's critique, the, that but, is you know. this, one of the central criticisms of these people who are into the sortition <laughs> shit is, and this is key, it's like, he's identifying the villain there, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, not... It's not like any kind of larger power structure, other institutions like it's just oh the pro- uh, the scheming po- self-promoting politicians. They're the ones mm-hmm. I see on the TV mm-hmm. and more uh, as a former journalist and congressional staffer who's had a close view of the electoral machinery. I'd like to pose a novel solution. Take Seattle's political class out of the equation. So damn. Uh, we got a real nerd here uh, whose head is up his ass because he's worked on a congressional <laughs> staff um, uh, proposing a novel solution, which he will go on for the entire rest of the uh, piece to try and convince us is not novel at all. But uh, great work. Um, 
take Seattle's political class out of the equation. That's the enemy. Just just get Mm -hmm. rid of them. That's the problem. That's why we have a homelessness crisis. That's why housing is so expensive. That's why like wages haven't have been stagnant for 50 years. That's why cops kill over a thousand people. It's these problems. We it's just we the solutions are all there. The 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 mm-hmm. it's it's the politicians. They're just bickering. Yeah. This is like, literally I mean, this is such baby brained like liberal shit. And that this is he's just talking Mr. Smith goes to Washington here. He's like, yeah. you know, if only we had just a, a stand up average Joe to <laughs> to get in there and to, you to know, go in there things and f- up a little bit. And fight the striving smarmy yeah. consultants and staffers and lawyers and advisors and, uh, you know, and then those same people who then run for office. And I could be describing Alex Peterson, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, that's who we're talking about, right? Uh, I would ask Ansel, like, why is Alex Peterson who he is? How did he get there? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a careerist, basically, right? Why is it in his career interest to be such a reliable and boring scumbag. Could it be because he works for fucking Windermere? Yeah. It, like is real estate is the real estate interest, which is the important power, like in any city, like in America, going to stop seeking influence in policy because you changed the stage scenery. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the classic mistake of being like, Ooh, look at these politicians. Uh, society is a product of their work as opposed to understanding yeah. the reality, yeah. which is look at those politicians. They are a product of the society that created them yeah. and put them into place. Right. And it's like and the power structure. Yeah. They're a product yeah. of the power structure. And yeah. And I, I mean, they'll, they'll say like, oh, but 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 uh, there won't be any revolving door careerists. Uh, and it's like, I mean, maybe not on your precious assembly itself, but like in the building. But even yeah. like. Even having that dorm room discussion about like what mechanism we can imagine local capital is going to insert itself is below us. Like it's it's stupid. Power Greg, exists. I think that you probably you might be old. I'm a little older than you, but you might be old enough to remember the hot campus poli sci debate over term limits. This was mm. a real 90s idea. Oh yeah, that we're, we we just turn everything around and we just had term limits. <laughs> Again, a real Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Fucking galaxy brain take. Uh, totally forgetting that you know. To get into the House, to get into the Senate, whatever, requires a large amount of money. That money's coming from somewhere. These people are not just, they don't just sprout up like mushrooms, right? They, they're they coming from places, right? And yeah. if you get rid of one, another one will just come from that place, right? And this just feels like a, uh, a just newer, goofier version of that same argument of avoiding the actual problems that exist, right? Well, Which is dealing with entrenched power right believing that the only problems are the bickering of politicians and like the partisanship and like the unwillingness to like come to compromise and solution is another way that very comfortable people tell you they don't really think we have any problems yeah yeah at least no problems involves them being uncomfortable for a single second yeah yeah yeah. although i think i I looked ahead at this next paragraph and i do think we are seeing where he is made uncomfortable which is at dinner conversations (laughs) (laughs) and as a corollary no more hand-wringing from citizens about whoever they voted for not fixing everything for them. Uh, oh, incredible. Uh, people complain about their me- the meager illusion of Democratic input being bullshit. Uh, you don't get, I, fuck you, you don't get to vote anymore. 
Yeah. Well, the funny in fact, yeah, yeah. In, in fact, yeah, you're complaining about this, you know, about our democracy being bullshit, like about like how very popular things can't happen about how like, uh, uh, you know, abortion access is being like gutted and eroded, even though like everyone in the country wants it. Um, well, fuck you. You actually don't get to vote uh, anymore. Uh, and in fact, you are now totally disconnected from this level of politics because your only connection to it would be randomly sometime in your life being selected uh, for an opportunity to sit on the wise council. Other than mm-hmm. that, like it's got nothing to do with you. Great. Yeah. Great. So we don't have to, we don't have to listen to you whine anymore. Well, that, and I think, you know, this again, is the product of like the very particular over dinner conversations that Ansel hears where when you hang out with normal people, when they complain about the problems they have in life, which is like their rent and their shitty landlords, mm-hmm. uh, they are not saying like, oh, you know, this is the fault of my D4, you know, uh, rap and the city council. They're like, no, my fucking landlord did this to me. My landlord did that to me. My fucking boss is making me do this, right? You know, they're not complaining about necessarily city council reps and things like that. Most people, I would argue, in the city probably have no idea who their city council rep is, um, you know, because they correctly view the whole position as pointless and not worth worrying about. Um, but yeah, that might be something to consider, uh, Mr. Hers, that... Uh, these conversations you have at your dinner table are not the standard conversation that people are having in the city. These are not representative. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's, this is just, this is, it's nerd shit. Uh, Okay. Let's, let's continue here. What do I mean by this? While rank choice voting might be a modest improvement to the existing system. I mean, Hey, we agree there. It's uh, that was worthless. Um, (laughs) There's a deeper, truer form of democracy that we should consider oh deeper and truer shit one that is <laughs> it's rapidly- like a leninist system of democratic centralism <laughs> <laughs> one that is rapidly gaining traction in europe and elsewhere um hey so's fascism yeah i was gonna say democracy is doing great in europe so we should definitely be uh following up on that hey remember how uh the head of the green party got himself elected by saying i'm gonna try and calm tensions down with russia and the united states told him you have to eat shit sorry and he's now like basically like yeah we're actually gonna send tanks to fight the third world war (laughs) yeah uh, it turns out democracy actually doesn't mean shit in europe either Uh, While some might try to cast this proposal as a radical change, it's really a return to democracy's roots. So that should raise a million red flags. It's it's definitely not a radical change. It's theater. It's a change of the theater. B, democracy's roots are universally bad. Yeah. Yeah, to, to um, the core. Uh, whether you're talking about the fantasy of ancient Greece, which is all just made up, by the way, and people should just, you know, whenever people bring that shit up, just throw it in the trash right off the bat. Or whether you're talking about uh, American and English like roots of democracy, which are all awful. And amazingly, also motherfucker does not quote Jefferson in anywhere no. in this. So that <laughs> I'm I'm astounded. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he does invoke the, the founding fathers at some point. Um among its greatest strengths is that it is extremely easy for anyone to understand. Really? That's your, that's your, that's, that's the top of your list. 
Yeah, he's like, all oh, the I mean, stupids I, will get it. The stupids will get it. So, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. I mean, really? I, I'd, I'd want something else to be it. I'd want that to be like number 10 on your list. Yeah. Moving on. It guarantees interest groups cannot secretly influence outcomes. False. How? How? <laughs> Wrong. In what possible Wrong. way would that be true? <laughs> you absolute idiot. Removing. Okay, here's here's the problem. This is the the thinking that's gone into this. You've established you've identified a certain set of mechanisms by which in what he's calling interest groups like uh, like a lib who doesn't understand and won't acknowledge power power. What a power, a larger power structure of society in influences policy, let's say. There are mechanisms of that. You've identified some of those mechanisms currently right now in use as having to do with politicians and their foibles and how, you know, legislative bodies work. You're proposing to remove those, imagining that that is the same as getting rid of that influence. That's just the mechanism. It's just the tools that they're using right now. That's it. Mm -hmm. It's not how it's not power is still there. Our, our our phony democracy works the way it does and power uh uses that mm -hmm. you know the methods that it has available like if you get rid of if you get rid of uh uh fine uh corporate financing of elections okay that that'd be a great thing look i'd support that too but it would if that's all you did mm -hmm. you would not alter the power structure in this country and your legislative electeds would would still ultimately uh, come out of that. You might do that. You might get rid of uh, corporate financing of elections in as part of some larger political project, but you can, just changing, removing the one mechanism is not removing the influence. Well, Greg, what you have to understand is that if you look at uh, the extremely rich uh, corporate America, giant firms like the Business Roundtable, if you look them dead in the eye and say, hey, you know, this one avenue you use to influence politics in this country. Yeah, I'm going to close that off. What they're going to do is they're going to say, well, you got us there. I guess we're giving up. <laughs> I got the tank, guys. Yeah. No need yeah. to pursue other avenues to trailblaze new ways around, you know, the stuff. Or, yeah. or including the all the other ones that <laughs> yeah, exist now are. that you're not addressing <laughs> with this. So many of which you don't even know about or understand. Yeah. So, oh, and I mean, God. you know, one test of this could be that, well, the United States has one political system that's very old and outdated and admittedly sucks ass. Uh, Western Europe has many newer political systems that political scientists love to jerk off to and argue about. Uh, all of Western Europe's political systems are totally run by capital. Uh, people in Western Europe, every country, complain all the same complaints that Americans have that, oh, politicians never listen to us. They only do what business wants, right? All that kind of stuff. All those same complaints fucking, yeah, all that kind of stuff. And uh, how did that happen? You know? How to, amongst all these different, you know, setups, all these different structures of democracy, how do they all end up in the same place, which is with capital dominating the political structures of society and everybody else essentially having to eat it, right? And it's like, I wonder if there's some greater force at hand, right, you know, that is causing this to happen. Right. Is that maybe it's not just a simple how we arrange the chairs on the deck that's causing the Titanic to sink, you know, 
But yeah, it's incredible stuff. Uh, Let's hear more of what he's got to say. But but Brian, but Brian, it contains no bickering politicians or parties. It does not favor the telegenic, rich, well-connected, or highly educated, only because there are no elections. So (laughs) so it it doesn't favor who gets to be on the municipal TV channel at the podium. That's not the same as policy. That's... I'm also sure that individuals on this uh, council of whatever, right, that certain individuals, I'm sure, will not get preferential media treatment, you know, uh, preferential financial treatment for their service on the, you know, I'm sure none of that will happen, right? This will definitely be a council of equals where certain people's voices definitely won't be louder than others. Certain people's voices won't be, you know, amplified above, above others. It'll definitely be a council of equals this makes total sense this is how the real world works it's definitely not how a baby thinks about things this, this is, is how this an, i fell stuff. in love with politics guy <laughs> thinks about elections and electeds like you've said that i know you have in your life Ansel hers <laughs> no this it's, it's exactly that brian it's like in this in this uh this beautiful world you know where every year seattle has a new crop of random people willing to participate uh the random time you manage to get like what are the chances you're going to get a shama sawant someone who is seriously dedicated knowledgeable politically savvy like has a program and an ideology is and what is isn't backed but isn't backed by anybody it's just random to get done the things that shama was able to get done against all odds in this town took all that organizing and it took her okay to get what capital wants done, you just need the, the boring, pliable losers to just do the status quo. Mm. That's it. And if 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 one in 20 or 100 or two or three of them happen to be like, OK, at talking on camera, reading the Chamber of Commerce's script. Well, great bonus. Then I guess they're the ones we hear about for the year and. And the chamber's legislation gets passed, you know? Yeah. Uh. Uh, votes cannot be bought or sold, and big piles of campaign cash have no place in it. The potential for corruption is massively reduced. No, it isn't. Uh, <laughs> if this well, sounds- it, would be, it would be much harder for a corporation to corrupt a single random individual than it would be for them to corrupt, like political structure like whole political parties and things like that it's like, and it's like i would argue you, this would make corruption much easier easy. you don't have to buy anybody <laughs> off okay like these people what bunch of people who are up there who are in this situation that they don't that they have agreed to be in maybe they're a little maybe this only attracts the cranks but maybe like regular people are like okay you know i'm gonna step up to my duty they don't have the they don't have people behind them they're they're ready to be influenced well, it's mm-hmm. not, what, what, like, you're going to lock them in a Faraday cage for the year, like, and feed them through a hole and only like they only get to interact with each other or something to solve society's problems. There's going to be politics. Politics will still exist in any of these systems. You <laughs> idiot. Yes, they're getting away from it. Well, it, now it's probably a good time to come back to the idea brought up at the beginning of juries, which a everybody loves jury duty. So we know that this will be a big hit with normal people. Yeah. But the other part of it, too, is that, look, for the most part, jurors are not paid off by either side of nope. the court debate. Right. 
But they go in and we know that no matter what the makeup of the jury, demographically or anything like that, they are likely to take police testimony completely at face value, right? Mm-hmm. They are likely to convict based off of race rather than off of evidence and things like that. And that goes across the board demographically, by the way. And the reason for that is those people do not come in as a blank slate. They come in having ingested all of the propaganda that they took in through their education, through media, through just the everyday life of living in America, right? They bring all of that in with them, right? And so they don't have to be corrupted. They are corrupted, right? They're corrupted by living here. And they bring all that in with them. And that's how you end up with a place where the vast majority of people, when they go to trial, end up found guilty, right? And we know significant portions of them are not, and that DAs are very bad at making cases, right? They present fake testimony, all this kind of stuff. But that works. That whole system works because of a little thing called ideological hegemony, right? And jurors are subject to it, just like this precious council of geniuses would also be subject to that. It would almost... like I said, at least if you have a political structure that's out there seeking corruption, the corporations have to pay for it, right? Because they're out yeah. there seeking to be bought. In this case, I mean, honestly, you might just get away with not even having to pay any of these fucking guys and getting them to vote exactly yeah. the way you want to by just having the Seattle Times continue doing what it's doing, right? And by having King 5 continue to do what it does and et cetera, right? Yeah. And it's, but it's not even just that. Okay, you come in with the ideological priors, but then... You are then ill-equipped to do anything but receive what the court is basically telling you. And in any court, again, that's going to be stacked in a certain way, despite the fact that, you know, yeah, there's this process where you're theoretically hearing like all this, the evidence and like the process itself, the judge's instructions, the rules of prosecution and the resources of prosecution versus the the non availability of resources or the very limited defense resources of um, a defendant like all of these things conspire to basically the court. It's basically a theater for you, the juror, for the court to get you to go. Yes, guilty, yeah. guilty, you to know, sign like, off of what the state has already essentially decided. And it's ridiculous to imagine that this would be any different. Like none of this would be contested, right? Like everyone, like all power would just like step back and go like, man, we really respect this, this, this <laughs> democratic form you've got here. Like, let it rip, man. I mean, that's what's hilarious. It's like you've already given an example of this. That's a total failure, which is the American court system and jury trial. It's a total failure at every level. If you consider the goal to be some concept of justice. Now, if you consider the goal to be just the maintenance of things as they are, well, then it's working great. And I think the system would work in the same way. It'd just be the maintenance of things as they are. Brian, I'm sure the ruling class with the power structure, like, only lets us use sortition for juries because they don't like mass incarceration or (laughs) conviction of the innocent in order, you know, in service of order and labor discipline. Uh, But before guy I'm making up, before you say uh, <laughs> uh, 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 jury selection is different than uh, jury duty, uh, that you know that's where the prosecutors like uh, you know put their fingers in the process and like uh, why why is jury selection different from reporting for jury duty? Could it be because who like sits on a jury is contested? Yeah, but like right like. 
no, none of this process is ever going to be contested, right? Like establishment powers just and like po- and political parties and whoever are just going to like mm. get out of the way, right? Well, and of course, oh when the you know when you do randomized things, like when the country does a randomized thing, like a military draft, it's truly randomized. It definitely is not targeted at certain populations and things like yeah. that. I mean, I mean that's. The other thing, no, too, but, is just that Brian, we, pretending we like the good. picking would we, ever be random is insane. We do it the like, good way. Brian, yeah. we we do it the good way. We <laughs> the good do way. the yeah, good yeah, idea so. the good way. Yeah, with the good people, which I yeah. claim don't exist currently, would only exist post the system being created, but somehow will also predate the system being created so it could be created the first place. I mean, the point of, like, criticizing every little element of this is to point out that every little element of this is ludicrous in a real-world scenario. Right. In a real world where people with money were insistent on maintaining that money and were willing to utilize said money to achieve that end, all this becomes ludicrous. If you can't acknowledge that that is the central fact of politics, then you've you're already lost. You're already in outer space. (laughs) I'm going to tease. We are going to get to an example of like a really good use of this, but it comes it comes later. Um. If this sounds too good to be true, um, it doesn't. Well, <laughs> it isn't. Uh, okay, I, I do want to hit this paragraph again that I read at the beginning here just so we can have a little more fun with it. The idea is called a citizen's assembly, also known in political theory as sortition. I mean, that's just, that's embarrassing, right? Like, <laughs> come on, Mr. Communications Director, like, have your friends read this before you publish it in the no, paper. No, he's, he's, he's letting us in on a little, uh, you know, workplace jargon, and we're all we're all feeling smarter because, you know, yeah. uh, when, when our coworkers are inevitably arguing about this place at the marketplace of ideas, which is the water cooler, uh, we could poke our heads in and go, um, excuse me, do you mean sortition and everybody will stand up and clap so uh i appreciate this uh being put in here Uh, no see i'm going to be asking sortition but what is what is it referred to in the uh academic discipline which covers this topic because that's that's (laughs) that's what i need to know this is what it's called in political theory okay uh my my dude like everything has its discipline that's that's a Piece of uh, superfluous information. Okay. Deliberative democracy. Citizens are chosen by stratified random selection. And we've discussed that that is uh, uh, going to be a very interesting conversation to have. Imagine <laughs> like this body spending its entire year debating the rules for uh, stratified selection for the next year, every year. That's picture <laughs> that. Create, uh, you know, <laughs> the debates, the debates that would happen. I mean, oh, no, that's the good part. You know, Come on, like, real people it, talking. That this, this would that. definitely. By the way, having this demographic stratified random selection would definitely put an end to all this culture war nonsense. There, there would definitely not be ar- people arguing about how many genders there are and uh, what exactly. We wouldn't all just be creating a more sophisticated race theory. <laughs> Right. Yeah, but, but fine. We'd figure all that out ahead of time. We'd, we'd oh, that's we'd right. Settle yeah. all those things in the law that establishes this. Like when the, these cur- the current run... bad system, we'll figure that yeah. out in exactly no, 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 a perfect fine. way that does not reflect the current bad system. Yeah. When this think tank uh, runs an initiative in here, oh, that, yes, all that'll yes. be in the bill. All that'll be in the bill. <laughs> They will have an extensive uh, skull chart, right? Yeah. Where it'll show by skull shape uh, what percentage yeah. of people will be in this assembly. <laughs> Section two, subsection six, phrenology. <laughs> um, 
creating a miniature representative sample of our society without bias or favor. Incredible things to say. Amazing. To rotate into lawmaking bodies in much the same way as they are selected for juries in our court system. Okay, we've dispensed with that. Um, uh, okay, we are given the chance to represent others and to be represented in turn. It is democracy by your peers, and if selected by chance, by you. Who's this we shit? Have, <laughs> have you already worked out some way to game the system to get yourself on this? Because otherwise... <laughs> For most people, this is going to be nothing in their lives ever. You've, yeah. You're actually taking away them even voting for the legislative body that does the political theater that is supposedly determines our laws. OK, like, I mean, it might be the final uh, straw that allows Americans to finally check out of this goofy political system entirely, which uh, honestly, maybe that maybe that, that makes it good. You know, I mean, it'll finally get people to be like, fuck it. I don't give a shit at all. We are. We do vote like that is mm. like you participating like uh, anyway. OK, in fact, OK, dude, dude, get ready, Brian. I'm ready. Get ready. I'm re in I already fact, read the first sentence and I love it. In fact, this is what, quote, democracy, unquote, actually oh, is. Oh, shit. Oh, great. In the fifth so century B.C., <laughs> He's Brian's turning red. He's dying. He's dying. <laughs> so, okay, hold on, hold on. So, oh no, go finish the sentence. Finish the sentence. Hold okay, on. go ahead. Go In ahead. the fifth century BC, the Greeks of ancient Athens coined "democratia" to describe <laughs> their carefully designed lottery system, <laughs> under which any citizen was yeah. able to serve let's, let's get into in that parliamentary, <laughs> administrative. And judicial bodies. Democratia with a K. <laughs> Democratia with a K. Is oh, not that sounds suspiciously Russian, comrade hers. <laughs> it's not it's not politicians, elections, and parties. The Greeks would have abhorred those, as many ordinary people, perhaps even you, do today. The Greeks would have abhorred those. The boy fucking slavers, the ancient Athenians, would have abhorred parties. Yeah, something the like a boy raping slave owners who, who in their democracy of free men, free men, meaning males who were not slaves in their slave society, their society their economic and political system <laughs> based on human slavery you piece of shit what a fucking did you learn about this history in an english boarding school in 1900 get the fuck <laughs> out of here well it's so funny when i read the first system where he's like you know uh was it the in fact this is what and he had democracy and scare quotes and I I kind of laughed. I accidentally read that. And I was like, it's gonna be so funny if he gives like the Greek, you know, definition afterwards or whatever, like Webster says it's from. And it's just so funny. That's it's exactly where he, he went. What a, what a boring goes loser. To the, goes to the potted history. <laughs> but yeah, I, you're, you're totally right in the sense that like, uh, yeah, like a quarter of the entire Athenian population were just straight outright slaves. Right. Or, just, may, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, <laughs> That no yeah, one knows, but it could be yeah, more like 40 what, to 50%. Yeah, what decade you were looking at or whatever, you know, what century you're looking yeah. at, right? I mean, a massive slave society. Also, yeah, they uh, treated women like absolute shit. 
uh, Aristotle in his like initial encyclopedia has this whole thing where he defines the difference between women and dogs. <laughs> and he's <basically> like, <laughs> dogs are like a higher form of animal. That's de- like thing number one. <laughs> dogs represent a higher form of animal. I mean, uh, again, the uh, for if your qualifications for this are that the ancient Athenians did it. Uh, that's a bad qualification. That is, yeah. that was a pretty vile and disgusting society. It's also, even on its own terms, in the potted history, you're talking about uh, where supposedly, yes, the free men of Athens, so the citizens, <laughs> the citizens, yeah. meaning the free, free men of the men. city of Athens. <laughs> yeah, that's like, you know, 20 to 30% of the population or something. But even that's bullshit. Like you said, all this history of like Athenian democracy, it's all made up bullshit. It's not real. Even the story is just this 30% of yeah. free men, like all just totally randomly, like drew whatever the process is supposed to be, draw, draw like stones out of a bucket or something or some shit. I forget. But like, that's not real. That like, as if that was this uncorrupted process, as if there weren't like parties, as, as if, like there was no politicking outside of that. It's it's not real. It's a made up fucking story so that <laughs> it, enlightenment jerk offs could filibuster new countries to like do land grabs. OK, it's yeah. bullshit. Fuck but off, all the, you idiot. All the worship of the ancient Greeks. Right. This idea that like, oh, that's the font of Western civilization society. I mean, I, I would encourage people to actually interested in this There's a guy named Martin Bernal who wrote a book called uh, Black Athena. That's totally worth reading. But all that shit was made up in the 18th and 19th century to justify colonialism in Western yeah. Europe and the United States. And it was to recreate. So if you're going to create the concept of race, which is what was created in the 18th and 19th century, right? If you're going to create the concept of race. It has to, because it's forever, it has to have origins, right? And the capitalist nation state initially wanted to place its origins in blood and soil right so in mm-hmm. race and in in essentially stagnant you know positionality right and they basically they would look back i mean everybody loved reading the ancient histories at the time and they looked back and they were like man everybody from the romans to the greeks really loves the fucking egyptians and up into the 18th century it was commonly accepted in western europe the beginning of civilization was in africa and ancient egypt right like that's where everybody put it right mm-hmm. and they they basically said we all these nerds at oxford were like we have to sever that we got to say that civilization began in europe right and that's where all the stupid bullshit about fucking ancient Greece and all that stuff that you've heard, right? All the popular notions of these places came out of this desire to create the original white race and like a home base for the original white race, right? It's the whole reason why statues from ancient Greece are presented as all white. You know, we're Mm -hmm. told forever, like everything was pristine white, which is not fucking true. It's all made up. They're all painted and stuff at the time. But they did that because they were like, look. brown. Yeah, the Greeks, the tan, (laughs) olive-skinned... You know, fucking those, Greeks. Those, those statues, that, the ones that survive with some paint chips on them, they're they're dark. The Greek, them, them ancient yeah. Greeks is dark, man. Yeah, go, go to Greece. So these are, you know, these are Mediterranean peoples, right? You know, but it was a rewriting of that from people who were yeah. Germanic, <laughs> English, white as shit, right? Basically being like, no, uh, there's an Aryan race. It began in Greece, <laughs> you know, and, and it created civilization, including this new thing that we all now uh, love in the 20th century democracy. Uh, definitely created there. All of which is bullshit. It's all made up. 
And by and by continuing the legacy of democratia, we can uh, justify filibustering a country of land of slavers uh, to roll over the continent, murdering the Native Americans and taking their land. That's that's yeah. the idea here. But Brian, well, check 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 this shit out. Check this out. More like democratia. <laughs> But I mean, one hundred percent though, in the sense that uh, you know, I, I you know, the the slave South, right? The antebellum South. If you ever go to plantations, you'll notice that they have this awful, gaudy Greek revival style with the big yeah. columns, and everything like that. That's because every slaver loved the Greeks, right? Including all the slavers who wrote the American Constitution. They loved the Athenians. They loved the Spartans. And they loved them because they owned slaves. <laughs> and they were like, look, the original white people own slaves and we're just like them, right? Yeah. I mean, did like, they rape little boys? Probably not too. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah, the Greeks loved rape. The antebellum planters loved rape, right? Like, yeah. they liked all the same things. Yeah, we know, know they loved rape. I mean, that's not a question. I mean, <laughs> yeah. They, yeah, yeah, you know. So it's just one of those sort of things of like, um, maybe examine some of the priors of this goofy idea you've come up with. And uh, I don't know, maybe examine your whole like uh, life up to this point. <laughs> but Yeah, I would prefer not to live like ancient Athens. Fuck that. You could have it. I don't want it. <laughs> Indeed. Um, okay. Quote, their greatest gift was their passion for democracy, unquote, observed Trinidadian writer C.L.R. James in his 1956 essay, Every Cook Can Govern. The, Asin <laughs> the Athenian, uh, that's, uh, so, and Ansel continues, the Athenians believed that elections were undemocratic. Well, we've established their credentials. Aristotle mm -hmm. called them oligarchic. Uh, <laughs> speaking, he was, uh, yeah, he, he was more in favor of aristocracy than oligarchy, you know, Yeah, which is what Athenian democracy was. Um, it's it's common sense. Oh, we, we're invoking common sense now. Oh, yes. It's common sense that when only a handful full of people can hold power, corruption is likely. Well, I'm glad you could learn all that from the Greeks. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Uh the, oh God, we're still talking about the Greeks. The Greeks recognize that whoever runs for elected office in the first place usually protects a peculiar power-seeking personality type. Having spent... It's personality types that are the problem here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Having spent a lot of time around candidates who've won and lost, let me tell you, the Greeks were right. Damn. Why, why did we stop paying attention to the insights of the Greeks? Literally, he's still going on this shit. <laughs> They seem universal to the human experience from Nelson Mandela's formative experience of how his uh, Tembu tribe made decisions, quote, democracy meant all men were to be heard and a decision was taken together as a people, unquote. What did the, by the way, what did the, so what did Nelson Mandela's African National Congress create at the end of apartheid? Just out of curiosity, did they, make, did they create these <laughs> random citizen assemblies? Did they say we have to have a, an exactly uh, equal proportion of Afrikaners running this? What do, you, what do you think Mandela's opinion would be of Afrikaners in South Africa and uh, their ability to govern the state, uh, you know, <laughs> non-politically? I mean, this is like fucking ludicrous. Honestly, I mean, he I, I wonder how long it took him to dig up that CLR James quote. Because uh, yeah. I, I honestly, I, I don't think that uh, the man who wrote one of the most famous sort of books about Haiti 
uh, and about the Slave Haitian revolt. Revolution yeah. would have been like, you know, who's really cool? The fucking ancient Greeks. You know, <laughs> you know who I love and admire, who I think really had it right. Uh, the slave owning Greeks. Those are cool guys. <laughs> It'd be interesting to find the context of that quote. Yeah. Um, oh, but hey, he's also about to uh, invoke another favorite. Hannah Arendt, quote, representative oh. government yeah, has, in here. fact, become oligarchic. Well, that's what you it know. means. So whatever. When she was yeah, fucking I mean, her Nazi boyfriend Martin Heidegger, she didn't really give a shit about fucking fascism. <laughs> so why should I care about what she thinks about fucking current Seriously? states of government? I mean, fuck out oh of here my with god! Don't come! Don't 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 quote yeah. a rent to me. Um, yeah. Uh, no. Look. Okay. Yeah. Uh, America's an oligarchy. Yeah. Uh, what does this have to do with that? Like, what in the mm-hmm. world? What in the world? Um. <sighs> okay he might be done with the greeks here okay um like is this is this the essay you wrote to get into boys state is that what this is <laughs> like <laughs> this is just like a little british boarding kids fucking exam right here at the end i mean it's hilarious oh my God. by their design citizens assemblies work against the current doom spiral of political polarization and isolation they force us out of our bunkers to recognize and to enter into discussion with the people around us and to also take responsibility for one another. Who's we man again? Like yeah. who is we here? Yeah. And yeah, I mean like again, uh, telling people that you can't even participate in the one little way that they can participate now, which is admittedly meaningless, but voting tell them that they can't even do that anymore. That'll definitely get them more engaged in politics. Yeah. And, and people, again, I mean, jury duty is such a funny example. Like, people love jury duty and they yeah. love talking about it. <laughs> They, hey, they love playing the lottery, too, Brian, which is what, like, participation in democracy becomes at this point. Like, hey, I registered to vote. Uh, maybe someday I'll win the the, the demo, the democracy lottery. I prob- I'm probably more likely to be struck by lightning. But, yeah. hey, I guess I now, won't worry about it till then. The democracy lottery will be forced to quit my job for a year or two. Go work somewhere where I'm probably going to get paid nothing. Uh, treated like shit. <laughs> by everybody around me uh mocked by nerds like ansel hers and newspapers and things like that uh yeah sign me up for that i'm definitely gonna go do that uh yeah sure yeah that, that makes it's, total it's like, sense oh my god it's like it's below us to get into this shit but but fuck it man like it there's so like it's possible like imagine like who who's even gonna say yes to this shit right like mm-hmm. it's very possible that like only the nerds and cranks like even like say yes like you're you're always gonna have to select way like just like jury duty select way more people that Mm. are gonna end up on that council is it 10 to 1 is it 20 is it a thousand to 1 like because how many people like are just still registered to vote ever and then they get it and they're like what like no i'm not doing this bullshit when their name comes up out of the fucking lotto hopper, you know, like how many people do you have to go through then have to like, okay, if you really want to participate, show up on this day and we'll start going through the process, verifying your edu- eligibility. And then like, you think you're doing away with parties? What's to stop existing parties or new ones from appealing politically on like substantive or strategic grounds to people who are in the, the big selection pool to abdicate their seat before taking it, to whittle it down further, to get, People either who are part of their party, who've been like, you know, always putting their name in or just people they've identified, done ID, you know, like you go through and you do uh, uh, 
you know, assembly ID, like you might do voter ID and then you work those people, you get them in there. There's going to be like, all this is going to be contested, you know, on eligibility and then other legal grounds. Like, like yeah. now the, the whole thing is goofy. Like, yeah, it's silly to talk about it, but it's like, there's no reason that parties and other, like all the bickering and like procedural bullshit you think is part of our system now. Honestly, it'd be just as bad or worse in this situation. Yeah, it, it, it just comes back to the picking as well. I mean, we pretend as if there is some sort of apolitical way to pick these groups of people. And, you know, I'm reminded of one of the answers to forced integration of schools that was pursued by northern mm. cities, including Seattle, was to get rid of neighborhood schools and be like, okay, so now we can't now we can't say that segregation is, uh, you know, caused by our actions or whatever, by, you know, segregated communities and things like that. Uh, we won't have neighborhood schools anymore. People just apply to what school they want to go to. And uh, then we'll just sort of randomly assort the students, right? And every city that's done this, miraculously, the poor students, the black students all end up in one school and the white students, mm-hmm. the rich students all end up in the school that has the most funding. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> there was never a chance that that was going to be a random selection to spread the students out, right? And just like this, there would literally never be a chance that there would be a random choosing of citizens, right? There would yeah. be a cabal meeting somewhere, right, that is deciding, okay, we're going to make sure that we get these people, you know, in line on the thing. I mean, again, this is the thing of like, you have to actually consider what the real world is when you come up with these goofy thought experiments, right? It's uh, yeah. it's the thing in back to school or whatever, when Ronnie Dangerfield's yelling at the business school teacher about like, you know, you have to make payoffs to the garbage men. <laughs> like, you know, you got to bribe like, you know, the inspectors and stuff like that. When you set up a factory, and the guy said, well, that's not part of the legitimate business world. He's like, well, enjoy business, building in fantasy land, right? It's like the real world, these things exist. You have to actually acknowledge they exist. And they exist for reasons, not just that yeah. we just did politics wrong once. Like they exist because they serve powerful, entrenched interests, right? Which this plan has literally no method of getting rid of. Now, I do kind of want to get back to this point about this being more democratic than the current systems or whatever, because there's, you know, party structures or some bullshit like that. And part of it is that, yeah, America's political system is very particularly designed to not engage the population and to make sure as few people are engaged in the political process as possible. Other countries, though, did different things. Uh, the English political system, where they have actual political parties that enroll their members and things like that. So they have you know several hundred thousand members in like the Labour Party and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. To be a member of the Labour Party means actually agreeing to set ideas and agreeing to do things to go forward with those ideas, right? Whether it's small things or being a higher up member of the party, right? Uh, all the way to say like Soviet the Soviet political party, right? Where you have the you know Russian Communist Party it has several million members in it who are doing all sorts of different types of work, right? Those systems are inherently more democratic than ours just because they actually bring people into the political system mm-hmm. where they can see how it works, right? And they can operate within it and learn how to essentially become a political person and operate within the political system as it currently exists, right? His answer yeah, is to go the opposite would be able to direction. Do that. Yeah, his answer is to go the yeah his answer is to go the exact opposite direction. Yeah. yeah, so America has a closed off political system. The problem is we need to make it more closed off. Like people are already too engaged. Ah, but random, engaged Brian, random. Less. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. it's insane. It's insane. It fundamentally misunderstands politics, engagement, etc. It's insane. Yeah. Um, I'm proud to have worked for both Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal and Senator Bernie Sanders. But the unfortunate reality is that my efforts were largely confined to building up, quote, my side, unquote, in order to defeat the, quote, other side. What, what in a contest for power? Gross. Yeah, yeah. Um, Could you imagine interests competing? No, thanks. Uh, yeah, we should just do away with that. <laughs> yeah, the party tell, system. Tell them to stop competing. <laughs> That'll tell them. That'll show them. <laughs> the party system from the Democrats and Republicans and even to fledgling parties such as Socialist Alternative. <laughs> is, by the way, is this the most elaborate process or uh, policy idea yet to get rid of Socialist Alternative? To get rid of people is, is like that, Shabbos Savant? Is that the key to unlocking this? Is, <laughs> is this really just like a Shama hater? Yeah, I um, think that's definitely where we're ending up at, I feel like. But yeah. Each with its own rules, hierarchies, and insular cliques does nothing but make politics tribal opaque to and opaque to the average citizen. <laughs> Again, like what you just said, man. Like yeah, telling them to, they can't participate in all will definitely make it more uh open and less. Brian, opaque. we're telling them they could participate <laughs> at all. They could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably more likely to be struck by lightning, but you know, um, are prone uh, pro- and are prone to infighting both between and within organizations. Wow, Con- con- politics is contested. God, oh, I mean, yeah, wow, that's also, the key. Get rid of that. If, if we if we put a hundred random Americans in a room and then told them to decide a tax policy. There would definitely oh, be no infighting or uh, bickering. Or they would just Brian. have reasonable arguments and would let reason win the day. Wow, Brian. Brian, you have this really toxic, like, anti-human... <laughs> you have this Hobbesian view of humanity, Brian. To, <laughs> yeah, to, totally. to, to, to pull out the, the degree again. Uh, yes, I went to college. Um, the, the, I, I went to college. I have a middle schooler's understanding. <laughs> <laughs> The classics. Um, uh, <laughs> accurate, accurate. Um, uh, we're going to get to that, Brian. You're, you're going to see how wrong you are, buddy. Oh, if, there oh, yes. were a, if there were a way to exercise power and make our voices heard, who, again, whose voices, without having anything to do with parties and ideological labels, <laughs> most of it would prefer it, wouldn't we? Well, and again, I mean, I mean, not to like beat a dead horse, but this whole ideological labels thing, it pretends as if like ideology is somehow this separate intruding element into politics, yeah. right? As opposed yeah. to literally at the fucking center of it, like completely inseparable from politics and contested you know contesting political power yeah, yeah. this part of the argument it, it's this it's just the same like warmed over shit that's been published in the new york times a thousand mm-hmm. times about like yeah like man americans were really all centrist like we all you know everyone <laughs> really is just so tired of the bickering we just want like common sense solutions ah, and this is just a, a quote-unquote novel way to get at that but can a citizen's assembly work in a modern context? Because we know, again, that we know how well it worked in the ancient context. That's, yeah, yeah. that's the context of this <laughs> well, statement. It, it created question. a wonderful equal societies. <laughs> but can a citizen's assembly work in a modern context? According to data compiled by the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, the answer is yes. A so-called 
deliberative wave has been growing over the past decade. The wave has led to more than 600 citizens' assemblies around the world. Now, Brian, we're about to get an example of one of these 600 citizens' assemblies. You want to hear about it? Greg, I'm very excited because if there's one thing I know about the world over the last decade, it's been getting better. So I'm I'm very excited to hear about this. Baby steps, Brian. Every little bit helps. In 2019's America in One Room, for example, Stanford researchers organized an assembly of 500. <laughs> Brian's what face. the fuck is this? Brian's 526 Americans to deliberate for a long weekend. Are they literally talking about like model UN? Like, is this what we're talking about? Like, this that's, is his example. Is student government that's, like that's so? We just yes that the the quote unquote deliberative wave that's sweeping the world the example that we get the first example is the stanford uh model un prison experiment uh, (laughs) where they had they had people deliberate for a long weekend the group did not combust from anger and tension nor did the participants reach into their bubbles and cling to their belief there was no fucking stakes it was a fucking tea party you fucking moron there was there was no consequences there were no there were no interests this is exactly the poli sci nerd like you you fucking idiot you took this you decontextualized this from the real world exactly what you have been saying all along brian from the beginning you fucking called everything in this article (laughs) because you just yes you completely decontextualized this process from any real power or consequences or anything they're just playing a game yeah and also only playing a game for a weekend which mind you if that game were monopoly they would have all killed each other so the point made is uh i contest uh whether that could have lasted for more than a weekend and i also contest whether any of these people actually participated but the the oh, funny part well, is brian we're about to we're about to get go on this, but you're we're about to get the evidence yeah this is like the just you know brain busting stuff that these nerds always come up with i don't know greg i think you told me you read this one time but if you read paul krugman's book about like uh the problem with the economy that he wrote in like 2008 where he has almost a whole yeah, chapter yeah. where he talks about a babysitting ring for like dc nerds and he's like they wanted to create this babysitter's ring, which, you know, knowing what we know now, I have some questions about that babysitting <laughs> ring. Yeah, but yeah. we want to create this babysitting ring. And then he, he tries to extrapolate this. He's like, oh, see, look what they did to, like, essentially pay these babysitters as little as possible. We could we could do that for the whole economy. And it's like, well, the entire economy of a nation of 300 plus million people is a little more complicated than a fucking babysitting ring for you and your freak fucking friends, you know, over in D.C., you fucking idiot. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, you fucking moron? But Brian, they didn't retreat into their bubbles and cling to their beliefs. They found common ground around issues of trade, wages, they did not, immigration, okay. and no, more. False, false. They did not find common ground on any of these things. <laughs> no, Brian, how, but how easy would that be? Again, if this is all being spoon-fed to you, it's like, oh, do yeah. you think, like, regular people, yeah, do you think working people's wages should go up or down? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, most people are going to say, yes, we don't have democracy in America, which this is supposedly a, a solution for. So, yeah, a lot of things are popular that don't get done. Like, that part's true. Problem is, the solutions to that have to include an analysis of power and a confrontation yeah. of it, okay? Well, so, 
and all these issues too, I mean, you know, trade, wages, etc., right? All these issues too are things that are A, inherently political, and B, have been fully ideologically like attacked, yeah. right? You know, like these people have been subject to an entire wave. They're, ed- they're edifices. Of propaganda. Yeah, from birth to death, right? Regarding these issues. And even then... You know, on some of them in particular, like immigration, I I get I just struggle with the idea that if they actually had a serious conversation about that, which that's my incorrect assumption at the beginning, they didn't. But if they actually had a serious conversation about that, I I actually do not think that you could have gotten 526 or whatever they said Americans to agree on immigration policy. (laughs) I mean, again, like. It depends on how, yeah, this is just a stupid thing. It's just this thing you're sitting there doing, like being led by like a grad student, like it's meaningless. So Democrats reported a 13 per (laughs) Democrats reported. This is the people in the study. Democrats is poly cyberane right here. Dude, we're charting this shit, man. We are charting (laughs) this shit. We're putting this on the board. Democrats reported a 13 point increase in positive feelings toward Republicans. Republicans felt 14. Point, points more favorably toward Democrats. Out of what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, uh, like, what was the starting uh, point, right? So, so and... they were asked a multiple choice question at the end of this in the survey. Yeah. Uh, get this, get this shit. 95% of participants said they learned a lot about very about people very different from me. And 98% said they found the experience valuable. Wow. Damn, Stanford. Grad students, yeah. hey, the American One Room uh, study putting up Saddam Hussein numbers, man. Damn. <laughs> I guess now it's probably a good time to remind people that one of the great crises in academia is that all these studies are made up and fake. <laughs> yes, yeah, bullshit. But I mean, also, well, I mean, just to paint a weekend, picture for you. I mean, right. To paint a picture for you as a political scientist. What that means when 95 percent of people said, quote, Learned they learned a lot about people very different from me, unquote. You know how you get 98% of people to say the exact sentence to you? You ask them the question, how much do you agree with this statement? Yeah. And everyone just circles 10. 10 yeah. out of 10. 10, 10, you know? And then there's a couple of cranks who think like who who are who aren't so bored out of their mind, the fucking weirdos who aren't just desperate to get the fuck out of there for whatever like timeshare fucking uh, weekend they get out of it. Like they actually think for a minute and put five. And uh, that's why you get 98% instead of a hundred, <laughs> the fucking Saddam Hussein result. Ins- insane to be quoting this for an adult to be yeah. a journalist and congressional staffer to be quoting this to me in the paper that I read. And again, embarrassing one weekend, zero stakes. I wonder what would happen if we expanded either one of those variables, <laughs> like the amount of time they had to spend with each other. Stakes, and stakes. No, I wonder, I wonder clear, if that would change stakes things. for the people in the study, but stakes outside of it, you know, yeah. because in life, not only yeah. did this not matter to anybody here, but it didn't matter to the rest of the world, which actual political contests do. Yeah. You know, they matter to everyone else, including the power structure of any society who guess what? Didn't care what people came up with in this little study. Yeah. Um, A reporter who observed the assembly remarked, the arguments are heated, but not insulting. The questions are probing with a purpose. Unquote. That's democracy. (laughs) 
Well, I will say uh, in my own college experiment where I had to take classes with other poli sci students, one of the favorite things for instructors to do, which I now know on days where they forgot the lesson plan, was to have uh, the students just debate, uh, you know, some important issue, right? Uh, thing, you know, just just little tidbits like tax policy or uh, my favorite affirmative action policy. Um, I will say not only did uh, was there not agreement in the room, uh, the debates were uh heated and incredibly insulting, particularly from me to them. And, uh, <laughs> no. And, and uh, any question I asked, definitely, uh, it was probing with a purpose, the purpose to make these people look like assholes. But yeah. the thing is, is that like, that is... And racist, uh, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's my experience in these rooms. Um, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> okay. Now we're getting to kind of the meatiest section of this, that... Um, uh, our intrepid uh, communications director brings up a case in which um, a sortitioned citizens assembly was used for real, actual good purpose and completely misunderstands it. Hell yes. Let's uh, hear it. In Ireland, they are pioneering <laughs> what is famously becoming politically known. stable Ireland. Let's say. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, I don't mean, come get, on. Man. This like, is this is the Republic, not uh, the north of the <laughs> island. Um, but uh, in Ireland, they are pioneering what is becoming known as the Irish model, tapping citizens' assemblies to resolve long simmering controversies. Assemblies deliberated on the hot button issues of abortion and same sex marriage, and their recommendations were ratified by popular referendum, resulting in major constitutional changes. Art O'Leary, secretary general to the Irish president, who's on the board of this organization that uh, he works, for, that Ansel works for, says this democratic method has transformed Irish society. It is a way of getting hard jobs done. Oh, totally. And you know what? That's true. Now, I want to just explain to people that Ireland still has a parliament. Of elected representatives. <laughs> no. Would that no. surprise you? They have a citizens council. What are we talking about? Actually, they have uh, the same uh, governmental structure they've had, uh, I don't know, since the Civil War ended. Um, yeah. Something like that, going back a long way. But the thing about that is, Brian, that um, since the Civil War ended, uh, or after it did, uh, Ireland was basically... <laughs> Uh, run by Catholic reactionaries. That was yeah, the mean no. sort of... Yeah, for reasons that are too complicated to get into, the left lost the fucking Civil War and Catholic reactionaries yeah. took over both the yeah. IRA and the uh, Irish government in the South, right? Yeah. Different, and, same type of Catholic reactionaries, different agendas, but yeah. And the treatment of women, by the way, is a product of the Catholic Church's total dominance of this fucking yes. island, which some right. might say that's a, an interest there. <laughs> and it, and certainly it was, uh, you know, you're talking about like being born out of wedlock could mean very well mean your death, having been murdered by nuns, being dumped in a mass grave. And we're talking about the second half of the 20th century. Yeah. OK, um, so yeah, if you want to have a real good time, look up Irish laundries. Yeah, yeah. exactly. This. Uh, yeah. Uh, Magdalene laundries. Um, 
you know, this is a this is a political power structure that yeah was you can might imagine not interested in was was ex- extremely restrictive of abortion and of course had no time for for gay marriage. Um, it, you may wonder then, Brian, wait, why did that Catholic reactionary power structure allow for a citizens assembly to be called and give it the power to undo restrictions on abortion? Why would they do that? <laughs> what, why would why would the Catholic fascist weirdos like who hate abortion uh, empower citizens to do that? Isn't that a little strange? Does that seem strange to you, Brian? Well, yeah, it's a little here's weird. The thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Uh, Irish politics changed. Uh, their society changed. I mean, they, they came out of like they, they were a third world economy up until the mid 90s. Blah, blah, blah. Lots of reasons. Also. You know, for whatever like foundational cultural reasons, like mostly that people want things like gay marriage and abortion uh, everywhere. But, uh, you know, people organized for decades, people mm-hmm. organized for abortion. They marched in the fucking streets. They also organized politically left parties seriously organized to gain power in the legislature in Ireland and and pull down the numbers of the the real crazy like right wing Catholic fascist party uh that's finna fail uh, and then the other then yeah. and the uh the sort of uh centrist liberal right-wing party finna Gale. i don't know how you actually pronounce those fucking it doesn't uh, it's a made-up language but like they they like people organize on multiple levels on all kinds of issues including party politics left parties to take more power in government and people organized for gay marriage, for gay rights of all kinds, and specifically for abortion for decades. Okay. They did politics. Okay. Hey, Greg, but I think organizing is bad though, according to this article. Now, I look, what you're pointing out is the classic liberal maneuver, right? Which is to, when something good happens to take full credit for it via the ossified structures of the state And to completely ignore and attempt to erase from history the popular mass movements and mobilizations that forced those ossified structures to eventually pass said good thing. Hence why Democrats will claim victories, you know, uh, vis-a-vis the civil rights movement as if they weren't totally forced to fucking do that and hated it every fucking step of the way because it caused the uh, fucking segregation of South to break from the Democratic Party, yeah. right? The thing that they was feared most of all, right? You know, or uh, taking credit for like ending child labor, even though the union movement literally fought for decades to make that happen. You know, uh, blood was spilled, you know, by the state against workers in order to like, you know, keep child labor in place. And now, by the way, they're bringing it back anyways. But like, you know, it just to completely erase all these popular movements and then just point to the dumbest thing in the world and be like, uh, citizens assemblies in a country that doesn't even fucking have them. You know, I mean, just ludicrous. Get the fuck out of here. Well, well, Brian, you know, uh, they did have one for this issue. This is a real thing. They did it first for, yeah. for gay marriage and then for abortion, where um, you might ask who l- allowed this to happen? Well, like, it wasn't that Catholic reactionary power structure. Again, things changed. Uh, it was known to be very popular for a long time. Would it surprise you know that the legislature, the the parliament, whatever you call it, the the, the Dolaren, whatever, um, like actually called this citizens assembly and called these citizens together 
uh, to settle this issue. Like now I'm sure Ansel and the people in his little uh, body, you're saying like, yeah, that, that was the trick. That was what did it. Okay. These, but, but, this was happening, okay? The assembly is just how. This is important to understand because this is, this actually is a, a story of how to use, of, of really incredible, like, political organizing and legislating using this tactic of the, the citizen assembly. But, like, you don't, as a legislative body or its power players, call a citizen assembly to decide a hotly contested issue that you care about if you don't know how it's going to turn out. If you aren't confident you can make it turn out that way. Okay. You don't, because like, why would you do this on this hot button issue? Basically for democratic legitimacy, right? Like they looked at America and how all we had done in 50 years was fucking like, let the wizards issue an edict. And then, you know, ever Mm -hmm. since not only have we not done anything more about it, but it remained not only contested, but sometimes has animated our politics and now, as if to vindicate the like over-engineered approach of the Irish, in which culminated in 2018 when they did pass like a, a constitutional mm. amendment, uh, it's now been gutted, right, uh, by that same democratically illegitimate, illegitimate Supreme Court, right? The fact that the assembly was even called by the parliament in Ireland was called to decide this issue is a major political signal that it's fucking happening. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This affects who's even willing to be on it because this is a political signal, whatever the rhetoric, whatever Irish politicians say, this was not truly, really politically a genuine contest for, we're going to find out, should we maintain the (laughs) status quo of absolute total, like draconian restriction on abortion or really open it up? No, like you don't, do something like this if the status quo is on the table. Yeah. Yeah. It was the, the, the battle, as you're saying, essentially had already been won. The legislature is now trying to find a way to make this possible, to ratify this, to get it into the Irish constitution with, you know, sufficient space for them to probably go to their insane fucking Catholic donors and be like, oops, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Like, you know, <laughs> it's, and it's not to say that, like, you know, don't get into an argument. About, like, could they have just passed it? It's like, well, they chose not to for good reason. Okay, could Barack Obama have passed a lot of things when he had sixty votes? I mean, you make different decisions politically. This is the decision they made, and it was a good one because, yeah, you you get past whatever like procedural hurdles and bickering and squabbling over the details that could drag it out in in Parliament for years. But also, uh, you do it as this fascinating national democratic spectacle that from the get-go, everyone is understood that it's tasked with drafting new, meaning looser, regulations on abortion. So the only supposed question really is the only real like politically contested ground was how loose. And, yeah. you know, when it came out, when they're when the deliberations happened, which is all very public, and then their the, the bill they recommended came out, all the media was like, oh, my gosh, we can't believe how far this goes. And so these people cite this as like, wow, look, like the people came together and did this. But like, again, imagine this in a real world. There's a lot of things that are very popular in this country that the media won't tell you are very popular. Okay. It's all politically contested. This was a good strategy here. Yes. For doing this because it's the perfect setup. 
they came out for broad uh, legalization, and it wasn't the cloaked wizards or even the compromised and hated politicians. It was regular people working it out. Then to like seal the deal, the bill that the assembly agrees on was put to the vote by the whole republic as a referenda, right? So there's this national pageant for democratic legitimacy, and it works. But, you know, only after organizing the power to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And like, like you were saying, like, what is what does democratic legitimacy really mean? Yes. You know, people feel like they're watching it on TV. It feels like more real. It has, yeah, this like uh, sense of, you know, theoretical democracy. I mean, I mean, like we could we could graph the amount as political scientists, we could graph yeah, the amount sure. of political legitimacy. We could guess, assign a number like this. This process has this many legitimacies. You know, we could watch the we could calc- factor in like how much legitimacy the Irish Republic has. Uh, as a whole with, you know, this factored into it. But what democratic legitimacy really means is political discipline. Yeah. Like the people who organized for this and got into power in parliament and pushed this knew that there would always be a minority of fanatics who want to ban abortion and people in the power structure who would leverage those people for simple political gain or because they genuinely want abortion to be banned. Uh, Read Jenny Brown. Yeah. But those people and that power structure are now disciplined. They have seen what the whole country thinks of them and their politics and abortion being legal. And so they can't deny it to themselves. They can't deny it on TV. They know that all else being equal, the shortest path to reversing this is literally going backwards through this constitutional amendment process with a, you know, assembly and a referendum. Not that that's the only path, but that is the now the shortest political path. The the political horizon has been established for everyone to see. First, they did it on gay marriage, and then on this. These are two issues that have now then also not only been effectively achieved, and they really did like really open up abortion in Ireland. But now, these just doing this has the effect of politically disciplining the religious, the Catholic right in Ireland, like across the board, like yeah. it, it just diminishes the power of the right in Ireland period, because that's how political discipline works. They were yeah. all told and demonstrated. You have no power. Go fuck yourself. Don't bother us. You know, you, you'll still elect people in certain places, you know, till the end of time, whatever, just to stop bothering with this, with this bullshit. So what you have here is decades of organizing and politicking and par- partisan party politics and ideological politics all being used very strongly and like fucking just Machiavellian strategy being used very strongly to achieve these ends of uh, legalizing gay marriage uh, and and really broadly opening up abortion in Ireland, a place where it was completely illegal. You had to leave the country and it was masterfully done. And it is completely misunderstood by this nitwit. Yeah. He basically looks at the very last step of the process and says that was the entire process. Right. And the problem is for liberals, right. They're stuck between this rock and a hard place, right. As true technocrats who believe in meritocracy, they want to believe in equality, right? This is fundamental to their sort of worldview. Now, they don't mean equality in the way that maybe, say, we would mean it or a normal person would mean it. They mean, oh, there's an, we're all, we, we need to strive for an equal starting place for everybody. So the true meritocrats, myself, yeah. rise to the mm-hmm. top and we can feel good about 
where we are and what we have, right? Uh, well, at the same time, they also kind of hate and distrust poor people, which was most evident after the 2016 election when they were flooding newspapers everywhere with editorials about how we should get rid of voting altogether since Donald Trump won, right? You know, we should put credentials on voting. And their hatred of the poor, right, is it's right up there with their love of credentialism and things like that, right? They don't trust the poor because they didn't rise through the meritocracy like they did. You know, and because they're true meritocrats, they think that must mean there's something fundamentally wrong with poor people and things like that. Right. So they're stuck. How do I believe in democracy? How do I believe in equality? Well, at the same time, cutting all those fucking people out and making sure they don't participate in it in any sort of real way. Right. And that's when you come up with these idiot thought experiments like this. Right. It's democracy devoid of people. Right. And it's like, it's a fun thing to think about. And I can talk about ancient Greece and Domokratia without, uh, you know, having uh, any sort of disinformatia getting in the way. Right. But the reality is, it's just an end run around it. Right. Saying like, how yeah. can we do democracy without the people? How can we have, uh, you know, <laughs> democracy without the demos? Right. <laughs> if we're going to do dorky fucking Greek shit. It's uh, a and, and that's, that's just where we're left Republic. at the end yeah, and that's why they have to make everything devoid of politics and everything like that, because they have to pretend like like politics is something that a technocrat could solve, right? Like, they're just little engineers going in and changing the circuits, right? As opposed to the reality, which is that even your engineering job is political, and, you know, these are about interests who want to maintain their positions or expand their positions, and you're making choices between them. It's inherently fucking political, you know? Uh, you're but, fighting a class war. Yeah. So yeah, and they can't act I, like it. And the difference between most Democrats and Republicans is while well, most Republicans can, you know, those who are a little more intellectually invested in the Republican Party, they admit that. Like, yeah, we're fighting a class war, you know, and they'll even sometimes laugh and tell you about how they're winning. Uh, whereas Democrats are doing the exact same thing. They just have to lie to themselves with eight layers of bullshit, right? For they learn in college to try and tell themselves they're doing something else, right? When in reality, it's like, no, you're doing the same thing. You know? Oh. Uh, okay, we're getting close to the end here. In November, Brussels, Belgium, a Thanks city comparable in size to Seattle, <laughs> went a step further. It made history by launching the first modern permanent citizens' assembly as part of its governance structure. You think cool, I what did they do? What fuck? What's about it? Did it? Brussels, Belgium? Yeah, who gives a shit? And also, does it give an example of something that's happened because of that? No, that's yeah, it. It just, just happened. So according to him, there's over 600, right? I think is what he said of the citizen assemblies just have been created in the last decade. 599 of which are university experiments. Yeah. Well, like, yeah so, think tanks. And the three examples he could come up with was a bullshit weekend, you know, college oh, sorry. survey. 597. Yeah. A misrepresentation of the Irish political process. And just the comment that Brussels uh, is maybe going to create this uh, with no it's further a wave, commentary Brian. afterwards. I mean, that's ludicrous. At this point, you're better off just not giving examples at this point. <laughs> yeah, because like... <laughs> Keep it theoretical. You know, the, you, the Belgians, they're, they're almost as bad as the Greeks. I don't want to do anything a Belgian has ever done. I don't want to know a Belgian. I don't want to hear about their fucking local government. God damn, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. Incredible. Did, stuff. They, did they did they have citizens assemblies in the Congo? Um, 
who care is the is the real point. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's more to say about how citizens' assemblies work and how we could set them up, not as impotent advisory one-offs. That's not as impotent advisory one-offs. That's what the Irish example is. <laughs> advisory one-offs. That's what those were. Advisory one-offs. They are the most profound example of this ever being used. The only good reason to even think about this idea that you've come up with, and you, you just called it impotent. <laughs> uh, but as a real part of city government, wouldn't it be nice to get out of the cycle of politicians who inevitably disappoint us and to govern with and for one another, who are you talking about? <laughs> this is all theoretical in your random republic. Yep. No one is going to participate in this ever yeah, yeah. in their lives. You it, it literally cuts people out of the process of participating. <laughs> uh, let us pick an issue, perhaps the seemingly intractable issue of homelessness. Then let's create a randomized selection process and really empower those citizens. A sample representative of all of all of us to truly exercise their power <laughs> it's tried to say like what's your plan to get the current city government to give this body not only to make this body happen to but not to to make it not an impotent advisory one-off but empower it with the power of the purse yeah yeah i mean need i direct you to um the Seattle Times just today, I think, headline, new social housing developer becomes official. But when will it be funded? As yeah. Mayor Bruce Harrell's, Harrell signed the Social Housing Initiative 135 into law Wednesday, social housing something we are, are constantly saying is the only solution to uh, uh, the housing crisis. So he signed in a lot. We're we're with Harrell and everyone who voted for that uh, initiative process. The direct demo democracy of the initiative process. Mm -hmm. I, I bet I bet Ansel loves that debate over its funding is already underway. Blah blah blah. It's not happening. The, Harrell's already saying, "Well, it would have to be in next year's budget, and it's just being kicked down the road." Yeah, and yeah. another one of these. This just like ranked choice voting, the initiative process can be used for good things, but you know it can can be also yeah. useless because there's no power behind it. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it doesn't acknowledge the fact that organized power structures that are deeply embedded in the political system because they were there at its creation and every step of the way since then, like can exercise more than one lever of power to stop something. Right. Yeah. They can, you know, organize the media to push people to vote against a referendum. Right. And that failing, they can then go to their elected representatives and have them just cut all the fucking funding to it. Uh, you know, point to cases like, you know, Detroit, where the wrong mayor got elected and the state just took away the city yep. government and said, sorry, you're run by a bank now. That just you happened know? in Jackson. Yeah. Just this month. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Jackson, right? Mississippi. Yeah. yeah and the state you know, just took the government away. Yeah. Which they do when you get when you really start doing anything that power structure doesn't like. Yeah. The next level of government steps in it happens it happens all the time in as America. ansel might remember given his supposed political history or whatever right you could also i don't know organize like a large you know never seen before in at least the last several decades uh mass movement behind a important political candidate and the party could just step in and say yeah no thanks and just pull the plug on it <laughs> You know, hey. like, you know, just like, nah, sorry, we'll just rig the fucking primaries. Fuck you. You could, <laughs> like, 
thousands and thousands of people could come out into the street to voice their citizens' opinion on a very crucial politically contested issue and make it very clear to the power structure of this country how they feel about uh, police murdering people. And that, you know, well, so what? Uh, You know, you have to take it a lot farther than that. You know, you have to you have to build on that. And then maybe when you have the power, if you've started in the street and then you've organized and you've organized uh, politically in workplaces and you've built parties and you've taken power, then maybe you can uh, with, you know, your Machiavelli Sun Tzu strategizing <laughs> do, drop the uh the citizen assembly card and get something rammed through permanently so that when you're inevitably out of power uh the assholes who come back in can't do anything about it because that's just, that's what that's what they did in ireland if the left yeah. ever gets kicked out of power if the right comes back in they're not going to be able to get rid of that through any like normal process they're not going to yeah. be able to bring back total restriction on abortion yeah well but it also i think it gets to this issue too of you know some of these examples it's telling what they chose which was like abortion gay marriage these are also just not issues that fundamentally threaten capital in any way now they certainly have prejudices and things like that that they exercise politically but it's a big difference between that and saying like I want to fundamentally restructure the way that real estate is done in a city right Mm -hmm. take it out of private hands and put it into public hands that's something that they would go to very extreme lengths to make sure you could not do murder you know yeah like yeah to the point of literally just eliminating you know politicians and things like that right or i mean again having the state take the political process completely out of the hands of any sort of city government put it in the hands of a pre-selected bank right uh which has been done all over the united states right you know they would just yeah, I mean, <laughs> again, it, if you begin from the perspective that power doesn't have interest and it won't act on them, you've already you've, you've already lost, you know. Uh, and I, I get it. I mean, you know, Ansel he ends his whole thing with you know, uh, could Seattle, Seattleites do better than the mayor? I'll bet my house on it. The answer is yes. I'll, and it's like I'll bet my house. Yeah, and it's like very telling. Yeah, I was like, yeah. As a homeowner in Seattle, which essentially means you're just a fucking lucked out rich person, right? Who through no work of your own essentially is a millionaire now because of like the Seattle real estate market. I mean, these are the most reactionary elements within Seattle itself. And it's like, yeah, I bet you you and your idiot friends think this is a good idea. And I bet you you do agree on everything amongst your pre-selected friends who all have the same level of credentials, the same professional jobs, right? Who all own homes, right? Who all have the same income level. It's like, yeah, I bet you you do think that if we just sat down and negotiated things at the table, it would all go great because when me and my friends talk, we never have serious arguments. It's like, yeah, you and your friends are all on the same fucking side. You'll agree with everything because you have all the same economic interests. Put somebody there who has disagreements in there and let's see how fucking cordial you guys are, right? The knives will be out in a fucking second. That's how these guys always fucking act. This is what they did to Bernie, by the way. He should fucking remember that. They all took the knives out the second fucking it looked like Bernie was threatening their Medicare, like their medical money, right? They're like, oh, oh shit, if he does Medicare for all, we won't get all those sweet, sweet fucking pharmaceutical kickbacks and fucking hospital kickbacks and AMA kickbacks. And they all got yep. the fucking knives out. And we're like, we're going to get that motherfucker. He will he will not make it to the fucking thing. And they did. You know, and it's like, that. there should be a fucking lesson in that. It is so hilarious that he participated in the campaign and didn't take anything from it. It's uh, it's astonishing. 
Brian, if you or I were selected for the Citizens Council of Seattle, <laughs> I mean, we would have knives out from day one. We'd be yeah. fucking bickering. We would be. Yeah, I would be uh, anything but cordial. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think Shama Sawant was a pain in the ass on the city council? Try having a podcaster on there. All right. Yeah. Her all arguments right. were like cogent and thought out. Mine will yeah. be insane just, and wild. Brian is, Brian is just, he's like, please observe figure one on the big screen. Click. And it's just pig poop balls. Yeah. Like every time, every time he's like, I get to do that. I'm on the citizens assembly. I, I've been democratically selected. I was stratified. I was yelling, I'm part of a strata as they drag you and your your uh, thumb drive with with different sizes of pig poop balls out, out to be thrown out to be replaced. Every I mean, I'm going to win because I'm going to make every piece of legislation about uh, just increasing social media views. Right. For members of the council. I mean, like, just for us specifically, uh, your our grandchildren will now have to like our posts. <laughs> This is a new law, <laughs> or they will be, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, beaten at a, you know, at a stake or something like that, right? You know, uh, yeah. So that's gonna be my winning strategy inside this. I like the idea too that once people are in this, like, they will they will not act politically anyway. <laughs> I mean, that's this is just so absurd. A baby, forget, this is baby forget, shit. Forget the people in it. The people in it yeah, are yeah. basically irrelevant. It's yeah, what's yeah. outside of it. Of course. Okay, yeah, yeah. Just just to finish this up, like why why is this being published now? Well, this organization, Democracy Next, is holding a on Friday, March third. That's tomorrow, seven thirty. Democracy Next founder and CEO Claudia Chwazes Klauswitz. Sure. doing her own art of war. Uh, one of the one of the world's foremost experts on citizens assemblies will speak at town hall in conversation with Marcus Green and Brandy Cruz. Well, this is how you know you should definitely take this seriously. I mean, Brandy's yeah, I involved. This very seriously. This is, this is something that's really going somewhere. It isn't just a uh, fucking bullshit clickbait that we talked about for two hours. I mean, I guess, the, the I only question is, up. yeah, we took the bait. The only question is, is this a prelude to a coming like initiative run to like do this on that level of grift or is is this purely just like uh, some people with graduate degrees like being able to milk some money out of whatever like chain of NGOs that leads back to the Saudi sovereign wealth fund i mean congrats on the new job ansel like i'm yeah. glad your 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 mortgage is uh taken well, care of the truly nightmarish aspect of political science uh is that some of the majors when they finish actually get into politics for the love of the game right like yeah uh yeah. some of them Gross. are smart they're the cynical ones going through it who understand that this is where you get the kickbacks uh others are just doing their disgusting wicked work for free <laughs> and uh yeah that's the, the the true sickos the real perverts in the class yeah all right well Brian, um, I cannot believe we spent uh, two hours talking about this Trust me, article. The listeners won't be able to believe it either. <laughs> <laughs> this man, this was made for us. It really was. <laughs> this, this man, this, this is why I pod, man. <laughs> this is why I pod. Damn. This is this has been the best like a uh, Seattle article to come out in a while. I will give it that. Like it really yeah. has everything. It's a four quadrant hit as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> oh God. Thank you, Ansel Hers. Um you know, we uh 
We salute you. All right, everybody, thank you for listening all the way to the two-hour mark. And uh, yeah, have a good night. Night. Night.